I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. HD you are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to Rediscovering Gandhi, Mint's five-episode series to mark the 150th anniversary of the birth of Mohandas Gandhi. I'm Shalini Umachandran. This is episode four, and it may not seem very Gandhian because we're going to be talking money. You've probably had these conversations with friends about how it's so ironical that Gandhi is on all of our currency notes, but he wasn't very money-minded. Or he's just the face of currency and all of his values have been forgotten. The truth is, Gandhi understood the value and importance of money really well. It's not that he was money-minded, it's just that he thought about money differently. And like most of his opinions on a whole lot of other subjects, his take on money was quite unusual. So how did he develop this understanding of money? Money was something he started thinking about as a student in London. He was living on an allowance that his brother sent him from Porbandar. And like most other foreign students, he had to stretch this allowance as far as it would go. So in the beginning, again like most foreign students, he spent a bit too much on fun. Clothes, dancing lessons, all these efforts to be an English gentleman. But then he quickly realized that, you know, this wasn't really going to work. So he started counting pennies. He moved to cheaper rooms. He walked everywhere in London. And he says that the additional benefit of this was that he was very fit and healthy, never fell sick for a day when he was in London. He also began cooking for himself. And those meals he describes in his autobiography, not at all appetizing. But then it worked for him. But I think it's through these early experiments with frugality that he really evolved his ideas on self-reliance and austerity. He started keeping track of what he spent and how much he spent. And this uh, accounting of expenses, it was a habit that would continue all of his life. And even when he handled lakhs and lakhs as part of the freedom movement, he accounted for every penny. He was really meticulous in that way. Even after he started working as a lawyer in South Africa, he still worried about money. So he had this huge household, which was more like a commune. Um, all the clerks in his law practice lived with him. Uh, people traveling would just stop by. Friends would stay with them. Uh, plus, he was sinking a lot of money into his newspaper, Indian Opinion. He was earning really well as a lawyer, but the newspaper never ended up turning a profit. It was a really important paper, though, because it covered the racism that Indians faced in South Africa. It was the voice of the first Satyagrahis in that sense. So again, he decided to uh, practice being more frugal and save money. There's this one entire amusing section in his autobiography about how he tried to teach himself to wash and starch and iron his own clothes. He wasn't too happy with the results, but, well, he decided to live with it. But all of this frugality didn't mean he disliked money. 
he understood that it had its place and he understood how much you needed it so he constantly collected funds for different campaigns as we know and some of his backers were actually the biggest industrialists of the day they included people like kk birla ambalal sarabhai jamnalal bajaj there's also that now famous joke by sarojini naidu it costs a lot to keep bapu in poverty but it's true that it's these industrialists who funded gandhi's ashrams his campaigns his travel they made arrangements for his stay wherever he went um and throughout his career as a community organizer as a freedom fighter whether in south africa or in india he had this class of merchants industrialists businessmen who really bought into his ideas and supported him in every way they wanted to these industrialists were also his friends he consulted them they came to him for advice when they ran to trouble with their businesses with their employees with even family you know so it was a give and take relationship it's just that gandhi's interpretation of wealth and ownership was very different from these industrialists who supported him he wanted to end capitalism and this inequality between the rich and the poor but he was also practical enough to understand the necessity of money to fund something as huge and audacious i mean as large as a freedom struggle so again we see gandhi's ability to take what's good and oppose what he knows won't work he wasn't against industrialists and businessmen earning well but he did understand how too much wealth leads to inequality he understood that really really clearly he believed that wealth isn't isn't something one individual holds it has to be used for the welfare of the larger community so his idea was trusteeship that an individual is merely holding the money in trust for the rest of society and that person had to use it for the greater common good or sarvodaya i guess you could summarize it with that overuse saying enough for man's needs but not for his greed it's really hard to talk about gandhi without using one of these bumper sticker like quotes of his and that's actually what our next episode is about gandhi's most used quotes the strangest places you can come across them but what he really meant when he said it so do join us next time for rediscovering gandhi thanks for listening this was a live mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hd smartcast i'm any apple and i'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series raising april it's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear Each week we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Bosa, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.